This is a podcast by Queries on Sin. We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we broadcast loud and queer, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and recognise their own history as well as their queer history and community members. The voice for LGBTQ plus youth and music only on sin. This is Loud and Queer. Queer. Welcome to Loud and Queer, the voice of queer youth and music on sin. My name is Elizabeth, my pronouns are she, her, I'm bisexual and I'm coming to you on Bunurong land and I would like to acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Hi, I'm Sammy, I am asexual, my pronouns are they, them, I'm coming to you from Rwandri country in the Kulin Nation, I acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. And I'm Laura, my pronouns are they, them, I'm queer and non-binary, and I'm coming to you from Wamba Wamba and Prepa Prepa Land, and I'd like to acknowledge sovereignty was never ceded, and we all on the show would like to just um, acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, past, present, and future. Um, if you want to check us out after the show, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at SinLoud, that's at S-Y-N-Loud, or Loud and Queer on Facebook. If you want to check us out online you can search for the loud and queer podcast on omni or all the major podcast providers such as spotify and apple podcasts you can also tune in live and listen to the show on 97 90.7 fm sin uh sundays at 3 p.m or online at sin.org.au Coming up on the show, we've got an interview with Desire Maria about their new album. We've also got a film review based on a a movie that I watched a couple of weeks ago. And after that, we'll have Frost on Up. You're here with Sammy, Liz and Laura. And we're going to be talking about some news stories now, doing the news whip. And some content warnings for this one is a mention of the religious discrimination. Also from Q News, Australia's Peak Music Awards have announced an overhaul to recognise non-binary artists in 2021. This year, instead of awarding the Best Male or Female Artist, the ARIA Awards will instead hand out a Best Artist Award. It's a huge change for the awards established in 1987. This year, the awards will be a virtual event in partnership with YouTube. CEO Annabelle Hurd said the ARIAs will make a... a concerted effort to address gender bias now now that there are no longer two categories. From Q News, the Victorian government plans to ban religious schools from sacking or refusing to hire staff based on their sexual orientation or gender identity. Victoria's Attorney General Jacqueline Symes said the planned reforms will close a hurtful gap in the state's current anti-discrimination laws. The laws currently allow religious organisations and schools to sack or refuse to hire people based on their sexuality or gender if it's incompatible with their beliefs. Pink News reports, drag race creator RuPaul has now been immortalised with a new species of fly. Australian entomologists announced they have named a new species of soldier of, is it just soldier fly? Yeah. Soldier fly after the iconic drag race host. The soldier fly, whose Latin name is Opaluma RuPaul, sports a bold kaleidoscope of colours. 
So it's his eye-catching as RuPaul herself. The, the Pink News article reads, Brian Lessard, an entomologist for Australia's Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organisation, CSIRO, uh, said naming the new fly was an obvious decision. That was our news whip. We'll be back with an interview very soon. Welcome back to Loud and Queer on Sin. Earlier this week, Liz sat down with KwaZulu natal-born Durban, South Africa-based multidisciplinary artist Desire Maria about their debut solo album named Desire, which was released in August. This comes after a very buzzy digital self-release of the record through Maria's own imprint, Izumikade Records, in early 2020. The album is an exploration of loss, displacement, and the terrifying manifestations of love in the contemporary world. The expansive exploration of spirituality and the divine is palpable, and skillfully interlaces snapshots from decidedly grounded human experiences. It serves as a captivating introduction to their singular and multifaceted world. The album is available now on CD, vinyl, and online, with cover artwork produced by visual artist Zanel Moholy. Desire Maria is a founding member of Johannesburg Collective, FAKA. Hi, they joined Liz virtually from the Netherlands while um, on tour. I am Isimagate and I'm very happy to be here. Awesome. Um, so I guess just like is my first little question, like how would you describe the music that you make or like sort of describe yourself like in a quick elevator pitch to anyone that's never heard of you before? It's black spiritual music. Black spiritual music reflecting current times, um, ancient times, future times. Oh, that's that's a lovely way of describing it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um, well, obviously, we're here to talk about um, your first album that's come, your first, your, well, not first album, your debut solo album that's come out, Desire. Um, so how does it feel to have the album, like, finally out there in the world after, like, so long working on it and everything? <laughs> It was a huge relief, you know, it was like seeing something you've been working on for months and that you've been carrying, finally being able to take its own steps, you know, I didn't need to take care of it anymore, it had a life of its own, so I think that felt great. Yeah, that's great to hear. And evidently from like everything I've seen, like it's doing very well, like people seem to love it. And like I was listening to some of the music before as well. And it's just, it's amazing. I love it. My favorites are Tavan, my favorites Tavan Queen. It's so, it's such a good, such a good beat. Such a good beat. <laughs> Thank you. Sort of when, like, what was your inspiration when it came to making the music? Like what, what inspired you? What was your inspiration behind it? I was inspired by a lot of things. Um, I was inspired by my personal experience, um, my time in Johannesburg, and I was inspired by the prospect of a different kind of future, you know, um, where, where, where we engage music differently, you know, where we engage spirituality differently, and put it at the core of our music and our work and not as an afterthought. It was very important to me. Um, so a lot of those things inspired me, but most of all, it was just like, it was just my life and me telling my story and also being aware that my story is actually 
sometimes not only mine, but like a reoccurrence of like old stories, you know, that sometimes aren't even mine. Yeah, it's a lovely way to share, like share that story with other people that can, I guess, relate to that, right? Yeah. Lovely. Like it's very evident in the music that you've made, just like you can really feel the passion behind it and just like the amount of work that's gone into it. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. I, I put in a lot of work, sacrificed a lot of sleep. But I'm glad it comes across. <laughs> the things we must do as artists. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, well, obviously, like, as said a bit before that, like, this is your, like, debut, like, solo album, but it's not your first time working in music and everything. You also did some work with fellow Gucci with um, the collective, Fe is it Fega or Fega? Faga. Faga. So, I'm so sorry. Yeah, but with the collective Faga. Um, it's, like, so obviously your music journey has been quite, expansive in that regard and you've done work in so many different fields with like photography and fashion like your style by the way is incredible <laughs> from the photos and everything I've seen <laughs> um but I guess I just wanted to ask like what what sort of got you started down that path into creating music Ooh, you know I think it, it was it was a spiritual awakening that made me start creating music and um you know like it, it's something i can't explain without sounding very like woo -woo, you know that's <laughs> all right you can uh, you can make it yeah. sound however you like i mean that's just how music making <laughs> is it's a it's a passion it's it comes yeah. out in different forms so like <laughs> embellish away <laughs> so yeah it was a I was just having a spiritual awakening that that's what prompted me to start making music. And my journey coincided with Fela Gucci's at that time as well, because we were both, we've both constantly been on very similar journeys, um, you know, for most of our lives. So working creatively with Fela was very easy. We understood each other. We had the same things to say. So, in in my in the beginning, you know, in my formative years, it was it was a lot of like it was a lot of intersections of like different like paths and lifetimes, you know, coming together with Faga, working with Fela. Um, but the spiritual awakening continued and it became even more and more pressing. And then I ventured out solo because I, you know, it just it led me there. Yeah, that's awesome. That was actually going to be one of my questions is asking like sort of what made what made you feel like emboldened to go out and like make your own solo solo album. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, yeah, there, there's no reason. It wasn't like a breakaway, you know, I think it yeah. was just a coming into, you know, I, I just had to come into a solo voice for this kind of music and for what I needed it to say. And I'm really glad that um, the voice is well received and it's having an impact on people. And I hope it's something that can grow, you know? It's not an easy thing after having such a strong identity as a collective to like branch out as a singular act, you know? Um, so I'm very grateful. 
yeah it's like um it's exciting to see because yeah like start when you are part of a collective it can be seem kind of scary to branch out so it's great to see that like you've done so and like you're flourishing like which is really great to see <laughs> um um, I guess I just wanted to ask as well, just like obviously with the world and a bit of a lockdown state and everything, how do you think that affected you when it came to like creating your music and everything? Like obviously not because you managed to make your album, but I'm just kind of curious about your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know, it, I've always worked very independently, you know. Um, I mean, I came from that age where... I could collaborate with someone who's in Canada without actually flying to Canada. Um, we we worked a lot with non-records when we when we started with Chino Mobi and everyone. That was like the way of working, you know. You know, you work in isolation, but you send each other elements and you you collaborate in that way. So the lockdown really didn't actually affect me that much except it actually it, it changed how i view music and it made me more fierce about what i want my music to be and um it, it also told me that i need to learn how to play an instrument <laughs> i should have used the time <laughs> <laughs> oh no i understand the feeling <laughs> Yeah, no, but that's that's interesting to hear just because I from what I've noticed with a lot of different artists, like they've take they've adapted to the lock they adapted to the lockdown very differently. Some people really flourish in the time of working on and having that dedicated time and other people sort of achieve that good balance in where it's like working but also still being able to connect with people. So it's it's always interesting to see how people have like adapted to that time. And thankfully with things opening up in different areas now, it's been good people are able to connect face-to-face -face again so I guess I just wanted to ask also because a bit before this as well I also saw the music video um for the single Taban Queen so I just wanted to ask a bit what was that like filming filming that music video it was so much fun um yeah like I enjoyed I enjoyed the preparations I enjoyed the process of the pre-prod Alison is amazing um who's a director and also the choreographer Loazi just put in so much work and care. And we were all just, we started by referencing a lot of dance styles and just like movement styles really from South Africa. And we wanted to create something that was like a tribute to one of the biggest pop stars, Lebo Matosa. And um, so that was great. I really had a great time filming that. Yeah, it, it looked like it, definitely. It looked like a <laughs> such a fun experience, just like all the lights, the makeup, the clothing, like it all just looks fabulous. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um, I guess like coming near the end, but I just wanted to ask when it came to like, so far with your career, like obviously you're not stopping here, like you're going to keep going and soaring much further and everything. So I just wanted to ask like so far, what do you think your favourite moment in your career has been so far? I think releasing the album is my favorite moment, you know? There've been many other highlights that may seem like more major, you know? But for me personally, releasing that album was the most affirming thing I've ever done. And I, I'm, I'm so committed to recreating that feeling 
again, <laughs> you know, because it's the best feeling ever to work on something, to be proud of it, and to see it come alive like that. Yeah, like it's, I guess, yeah, because it was so personal to you. So it makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess I just wanted to ask, like, coming near the end, um, are there any other, like, like any songs or like, like, are there any LGBTQ plus songs or bands that you'd like to shout out? Um, I am vibing to a lot of Light Asylum right now. Yeah. Ooh. That's a, yeah. That's good to hear. That's a good band. Um, I guess also just want to ask, like, obviously, like, there's probably no plans directly right now but with everything like with how the world is now and the fact that your um albums are released like what are your sort of plans right now well i'm, I'm currently in the netherlands uh, oh. i just played a show at rewire festival uh, at the hague and we are, are scheduled to play a show in berlin um on the 17th at fox oh, wow I don't know if I said that right, Volksbühne. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fairly sure most of our listeners are Australian, so unfortunately they probably won't be able to see you live um, for a little while, but <laughs> hopefully you'll be able to come down to Australia so we can check you out live soon. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I love, I love Australia, actually. I love, I love Sydney, Melbourne, like, yeah. I think it's, but like in the summer, please. Oh my God. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <'Cause the> <laughs> you can't go wrong with an Australian summer. <laughs> um, I guess yeah. sort of wrapping up with our last question, but I just wanted to ask, like just reaching out to anyone listening, like where can they find you? Where can they find your music or your social media? Well, um, I'm at Desire Maria on Instagram. Um, find me there, catch me there. Lots of links to new music and new things will come there first. At Desire Maria on Twitter, um, stream music on all digital platforms, and buy the record. It's available worldwide, actually. Um, and you can order it online as well via Bandcamp, um, via Mead Records, or Rough Trade. So, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I probably will. It's a really good album. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on on Desire. It's been an absolute joy to talk to you and just get, get a bit of insight into that, into your process and just like your inspiration behind like your music. And I'm very excited to see where you go in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Uh, that was my interview with Desire Maria. It was such a great interview. I really enjoyed talking with them. They were so sweet. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, tell us what you thought about it. Just let us know what's in loud on Instagram or Twitter. Welcome back to Loud and Queer on Sin, and uh, we're going to be jumping into an interview now that you did, Laura. Oh, a review, yeah. So um, um, I watched a film a couple weeks ago now called Under My Skin. It features one of my favourite uh, non-binary actors, Liv Hewson, um, and they've played Denny, a free spirit, an artist who falls for Ryan, a straight-laced lawyer. 
um, when Danny questions their gender, the couple's love is tested, uh, which is sort of the IMDb summary of it. However, I thought, um, um, yeah, it, it, it didn't dive deep enough for me. And so I thought I would share some thoughts. So yeah, take a listen. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin. Last week, I watched the 2020 David O'Donnell film, Under My Skin. Um, It's about a non-binary person who realises their non-binary comes out to their partner and uh, it doesn't go very well, but in the end, they kind of find themselves. Their name's Denny and I'm just going to jump into it now. When you get the opportunity to look beneath someone else's skin, to understand them viscerally, that experience should be astounding, celestial, mesmerising just as trans people are. Our inner worlds are far too complex, our depths far too passionate, our possibilities too infinite to stop at a cookie-cutter boyfriend. With a dislike of makeup or form-fitting clothes, I recognise myself in Denny, the protagonist of Under My Skin. Both brought up, being called girl, lady, miss, always avoiding the rules by skimming beneath the surface. Both spending our first adult years dating women, exploring what it means to be queer, to embody same-sex love, only to spill out of it. Both disconnected from our bodies and ourselves. Through the entire 96 minutes, I didn't relate to Denny because Denny wasn't the main character. Ryan is a clear-cut lawyer, a hopeless romantic. He's not a prick when he hits on Denny in the bar when they first meet, but he is persistent. Denny is beautiful, Denny is a musician, Denny is humble and of course worth pursuing. Ryan is as plain and as consistent as the unbuttered, you heard that right, toast he eats in the morning as he rushes out the door. As Ryan and Denny's relationship accelerates and they move in together, so too does Denny's disconnect with their home and their own inner world. The most interesting metaphor in Under My Skin is the changes to Denny's appearance. Four different actors take on the role with incredible consistency, and each provides a glimpse of the pain Denny is experiencing at the clutches of the gender constraints placed upon them. Mainly by Ryan, but also by other figures who are so clearly not familiar with transness or gender nonconformity. They only make brief appearances, there aren't a lot of characters in the movie, and when they do show up, they aren't consistently... uh, They don't have a consistent arc. This is the most effective tool of the film and the fact that nobody notices Denny's appearance reorient itself intermittently makes it clear that nobody who buys into the binary knows how to understand or even see Denny for who they are. An emotional yet senseless fuckful is Denny's proclamation that they are not a man or woman and Ryan's love begins to ring hollow. He means well but his personality, aside from being unbuttered toast, is his career. First, he misses the biggest performance of Denny's singing career, then persuades them to wear a dress and long wig to a partner dinner his firm is holding on the same night. When Denny's when Denny meets Ryan's boss and doesn't meet expectations, tearing off the wig and walking out, Ryan finally acknowledges the cries for recognition, but violently. Their argument escalates at home when Ryan finds the testosterone Denny has been taking and launches into a verbal assault, tears apart their home, derides the art Denny has made on the walls, which is a clear cry for help in the film. They flee. 
in the morning, Ryan wins them back, visiting them at their childhood home or a friend's home, we don't know, and cleans up the mess. They clean up the mess together. Ryan vows to be more sympathetic, to understand Denny better. I think the most authentic storytelling is the way Denny decides to eventually take on the journey themselves following this outburst. They realise that they need to do this themselves. So much of the work in embodying your transness is internal, a tornado of aha moments, mourning, passion, rage and confusion. Trying out labels, trying out identities till you find what fits is part of the fun, but it's also a pretty anxious time for a lot of us. Denny is the protagonist, but it never feels that way until this point. Ryan's gaze is so squarely on them and obscuring them. The film very successfully shows his biases, his misconceptions about gender, and his expectations on what his quote-unquote girlfriend should be. I don't want to detract from that, but it can be tiresome to see dramas play out uh, for trans people through the eyes of you know, cisgender people, as much as it might help a cisgender audience understand Denny's distress, it doesn't serve the queer audience, which is probably looking for something more than a coming out story at this point, even non-binary people whose stories have not been very well represented before. The film also fails to address how much less lonely it is to explore your gender expansiveness with other trans people. It's either under the shadow of the male gaze or alone that Jenny that Denny goes through this journey, and that's just not true to a lot of people's lives. We see Denny with queer friends, you know, queer dates. Um, at the start of the film, Denny has a queer partner. They're not isolated from their community, but for some reason their fight is lonely as hell, and that really confuses me. The exploration of Denny's musical career, however, would have been far more exciting, creative, fluid as a main arc for the film with those minor characters and a partner alongside, you know, um, Denny's parents are barely touched on, their own career is barely touched on, their relationships and conversations with their queer friends is not touched on, and for some reason that just feels like a betrayal. Maybe it's asking too much of 90 minutes maybe it's just that I wanted the storytelling to to be something more than it was overall I think I'd rate this film maybe three stars two and a half stars um out of five so yeah I I love the acting all of the actors did an incredible job especially the actors who played Denny I think they did a a wonderful job of um, creating continuity with the character and providing a sense of discomfort and tension uh, with the, the things they were feeling, the disconnect from their appearance and um, the way they felt about their body. But it certainly didn't live up to my expectations of moving on from the trans narrative of just coming out and more considering how trans people genuinely navigate life and can be pretty wonderful. You're listening to Loud and Queer and that was Laura's review of the 2020 film Under My Skin. Have you seen it? Let us know at at SinLoud. Oh, no. Well, I I was going to tie it into one of my frocks this week is absolutely... uh, 
at what that track is from, uh, which that mm. you just heard ripped by Sarah Sue. It's part of a compilation album called I'm Slash Balance, which is out from the label Ogle. And uh, yeah, a lot of really cool artists attached to that. And it's, yeah, check it out on Bandcamp if you like that song. Oh, neat. So who else is a part of that? Uh, it's a pretty small indie label, but there is the likes of Rot Wheeler, Love Tide, Isharam Das, DJ Aim, Anthony Carr. Uh, yeah, sort of like uh, very small, uh, I guess, in comparison to some of the artists we play on Sin, but also very like making very exciting mm. stuff. And yeah, just a cool small label. And uh, yeah, it's cool to see comps like that coming out. Mm, so cool. What are you enjoying about it so far? Uh, just the, the like, experimental <laughs> at-home producing kind of, like, sound to it all. Mm, neat. Just vibing yeah, it. Just shouting it out, I guess. <laughs> cool. Um, and, yeah, that Sarah Sue <laughs> track is really good. Mm. And, yeah, shout out Sarah Sue. Nice. Go check them out. Liz, what about you? Oof. God, my froth, I feel like my froths are always so self-centered. <laughs> no way. Um, yeah. I guess, like, some other, like, happy news. Um, long-time listeners probably know I've been working a bit on a small TV show called The Leak with Channel 31. Um, we finished up the last season, and I'm going to be doing the line producing for the next season. So, yeah. Woo! That'll be fun. Yeah. So cool. Congrats. First time producing, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be great hopefully so what does that involve like what's the difference between what you've been doing and what you're going to be doing uh well I was the social I was sort of like the stills photographer and like social media manager for the last Mm. season so line producing is going to be like basically doing all the logistics like managing the budget managing like all the all the crew making sure like everyone's like up to date with forms and everyone's like properly trained and safe and all that fun stuff Mm. nice Big change. Yeah, big, big change. <laughs> Do you think you have, like, a head for that stuff? I think so. Like, I should be good. Mm. Like, it's it's probably going to be mainly an online season just because, mm. well, you guys know why. <laughs> Victoria's <laughs> in a bit of a rough patch right now when it comes mm. to quarantine. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Good. Big mood. <laughs> Any knots? Do we feel like having a rant or a complaint? Uh, yeah, well, I feel like, was it a news story last week? Did we talk about Judith Butler? The, the Judith yes, Butler decision in The Guardian? Briefly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess I'm still still nodding over that. Um, mm. So, yeah, there's not too much to say about it other than it sucks, but... uh. Would you like to yeah, read out I... some of the things that they cut from the interview so we can get them out there? <laughs> yeah, For anyone who well, wasn't me... um, on, listening last week. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And this has been pretty big news that's been reported on by like publications that don't really cover queer stuff too much. Uh, but them did mm. a really good article that I will be that I'm skimming through right now to try and find the part that was removed. Yeah, so for some context, um, The Guardian US did an interview with Judith Butler, the creator of Queer Theory, um, 
and they included a lot of good stuff about questioning gender and the binary, but they did not include any of Judith's actual like radical comments, which is like a really major part of trans identities for a lot of people. Like we're kind of all just like commies running around like <laughs> wanting to like yeah. tear down the system so um, <laughs> it was a bit like this kind of doesn't make sense without the like structural change that Judith's advocating for anyway mm. yeah for sure and um yeah I guess like a short excerpt from some of the parts that was removed was like uh, the anti-gender movement circulates a specter of gender as a like in quotations as a force of destruction but they never actually read any works in gender studies quick and fearful conclusions take place of considered judgments yes some work on gender is difficult and not everyone can read it so we have to do better in reaching a broader public as important as it is however to make complex concepts available to a popular audience it is equally important to encourage intellectual inquiry as a part of public life unfortunately we're living in an in anti-intellectual times and neo-fascism is becoming more normalized so yeah the this was like after kind of explaining what TERFs are and, and how they are like existing today in uh, mm. like feminist philosophy uh, mm. and like bioessentialism. Uh, so then, yeah, to, to equate that to fascism was kind of like the big, big statement. And then uh, it was in the context of like, uh, like Judith giving thoughts on a case that was developing, which is like, why the Guardian argue it was rem- like that thing was removed. But the person who did the interview also said that they uh, had rewritten it to take the context of like the question out, but leave those statements in. Uh, and that was like denied mm. and it was just removed entirely. So it's like in line with some stuff the Guardian has done in their editorial room in the past. That's true. Uh, I did hear mm. that it was like not the journalist's decision to take that out. It was an editorial step that did it. Uh, look, it's really hard to explain. Mm. I just want to like try to guide people to Olivia Hogg's like article for them. This newspaper is being mm. accused of censoring Judith Butler for comparing terms to fascists because it will summarize it better than me. And I don't okay. want to really go into the, the LA spa case too much because it's like a, basically it's a yeah. Someone, Judith was asked for like thoughts on a specific like local uh, case and they uh, brought it to like a broader discussion on TERFs uh, and so the mm. journalist wanted to remove the context of the question so it just was about the broader discussion which was how Judith answered the question anyway mm. and the the editors at The Guardian chose to remove the entire like section is the gist of it. Okay, right. If they're not identifying a person, that's not something they have to do. But anyway, um, even like stuff they have up from sort of 2011, um, I was doing research and stuff that they've got on the Guardian website from like 2011, 2012, they like have identified trans women who've been convicted of crimes as like their dead name and all of this other stuff. Um, just kind of because they can and using like really um, like photos that make them very, very vulnerable, I think, to ridicule and haven't taken those down despite not posting stuff like that more recently. And, yeah, it's just not the vibe. I Mm. really disagree with it. Yeah, look, people, go read Gender Trouble. It's really awesome and go read that 
article from them and uh, stay away from TERFs. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, gender-critical feminists. <laughs> I think we need something positive now. Any any froths that we haven't mentioned yet? Uh, yeah, well, one that was really... We were talking about Q News uh, frothing them last week, I feel... For something, uh, but anyway, they did a really just great like interview. reporting on Australian queer stuff. I just appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And speaking of, they did an interview with uh, Keenan Lonsdale, who people may know from Love Simon or uh, locally Dance Academy back in the day. Incredible actor, and um, yes. yeah, it was a really cool interview. It is on YouTube. Uh, if you just find Q News's YouTube channel. And it's pretty low key. Uh, like Keenan's just like with his shirt off at home, looking pretty comfortable. <laughs> it's it's um it's like over twenty minutes. So yeah, it's really great, just like background content. And like they spend a lot of time talking about Keenan's music career, which I had no idea about. And it's really good music. Um, mm. and he's an independent artist. And uh, yeah, he yeah. So definitely recommend that interview. There's a Q News write up on the website, but uh, the the actual video interview is really cool. And we'll play a song from one of his from his album last year uh, at the end of the show. Nice. Uh, I just looked him up and I didn't realize how damn fashionable he is. Yeah, I Keenan do Lonsdale, him from Dance queer. Academy, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like people know him from Dance Academy, but he has uh, done is very influential in like fashion and just like as kind of like a, a public queer person nowadays. So it's like yeah, mm. very cool guy and. Uh, yeah, love that interview. Nice. Love public queer people. Love all queer people. <laughs> um, nice. I have like a, a burgeoning froth, if you will, a blossoming froth. Um, <laughs> so I joined the local queer group um, in the small town I live in and mm. like the Facebook group. And they got funding, like a small bit of funding from um, um, like a queer organization to do like a project or an event or something. And everyone was really keen on a podcast interviewing the queer people in the town. And I was like, I've made podcasts. Like, do you want help? And they said yes. And we haven't planned anything yet, but I just... I think that would be really cool and thought if Aww. people are okay with it, maybe we could like feature those interviews on here, you know? Oh, yes. Yeah. I don't know. It could, it could like go anywhere. That's, I'm just very excited about it. It doesn't even have to end up being a podcast in the end. It could just be like something creative and I'm excited. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm. Yeah. I have. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, that sounds like a really exciting little uh, like thing to be a part of. Yeah, hopefully we can pull it off. I will report back. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, should we wrap up? Yeah, for sure.
Well, yeah, today you listened to just our Froth or Not. You also listened to Laura's amazing review of the 2020 film Under My Skin. You also listened to my interview with Desire Maria and, of course, our regular news whip. If you want to find us online, you can check out our socials at SinLoud across the border on Instagram and Twitter. You can also check out all the songs that we've played on this show and every other show of Loud and Queer this season, uh, this year. Check it out on Spotify, the Loud and Queer Mixtape 2021. It has something like 70 artists and 130 songs on it, so please go check it out. We will see you next Sunday at 3. This was Loud and Queer with Laura, Liz, and Sammy. We should mention real quick as well that uh, next week will be uh, all music mix, just like chill music mix week, mostly queer artists. So definitely tune in live Sunday, 3 p.m., next week if you're listening to this on the podcast because there won't be a podcast version of that because we would be breaching our music license (laughs) yeah do you want to explain a bit about your project or let people just uh take it in yeah well uh it'll just be because it's the season finale next week we're just going to be celebrating with uh just a dj mix and then the week after that uh we we'll be doing a bit of a like synth music special uh show i guess as a bit of a tribute to wendy carlos and the impact of like trans people on synth music and electronic music i guess Mm, i'm very keen yeah so two two very special kind of shows that probably won't be podcasted coming up next uh for the next two weeks on love and queer so definitely tune in sundays at 3 p.m 90.7 90.7 FM or online at sin.org.au. So yeah, you're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin. It was a feeling which... Queries is a show on Sin Nation, run by gender diverse, LGBTQI, ace and arrow youth. Visit sin.org.au slash Q-U-E-E-R-I-E-S for our podcasts.